Right. So we've been talking about relationships, haven't we? We've been talking about relationships and going to higher dimensions in our relationships. And I'm going to preach fast this morning. So can you listen fast? Amen. Amen. Right. We spoke last week about honor. Do you remember that? We spoke about listening skills and we spoke about mutuality. If you were not here, please catch up. Right? It's your responsibility to catch up. We've got a wonderful website and we've got YouTubes there and you can catch up on the messages. And now I want to carry on with number four, which is loyalty. Say to the person next to you, are you loyal? Are you loyal? <laughs> okay. All right. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 9 to 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 to 10a. Paul is speaking and he says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. How many of you know that some people will desert you because of love for the world? They might give different reasons for deserting you, but the root very often is the love for this world. How many of you know that people leave their spouses because of love for this world? People become disloyal because of love for the world, very often. It says, he has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dal Dalmatia. It doesn't explain the reasons for the other people, but it says, for Demas, it was because he loved the world. Now, if you look, and you don't have to turn there, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible speaks of the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of this life. It speaks of that. That's basically loving the world. Amen. Amen. You see, very often you will find that people will become disloyal to their spouses, disloyal to leadership in the church because they love the world. How many of you know that if you would rather sit at home watching your favorite soapy than coming to church, that's loving the world. Let's call it what it is, saints. How many of you know that if you would say to your spouse, don't worry, honey, I'm going to leave you guys and the family for three months because I just want to earn that extra few grands. How many of you know that you're loving money over your family? Are you hearing me this morning? And sometimes what happens is we are controlled by the spirit of mammon. Mammon controls us, ladies and gentlemen. And we say just for the extra cash... I'm going to sacrifice my marriage. I'm going to sacrifice my spouse. I was reading something. We all know LeBron James, right? We all know LeBron James. And I was reading something that he was talking about where he was basically saying he had to apologize to his wife, the great basketballer. He had to apologize to his wife. Because, and she was surprised, like, apologize for what? His wife is called Savannah. You guys, for those of you who follow these things, all right? And he had to apologize to his wife. And he says, you know what? Because when one is focused on their goals, sometimes it becomes addictive. Sometimes you're so passionate to win, so passionate to achieve, right? And he says, as a result, you as my family, you might sometimes feel like I love this thing more than I love you guys. And obviously she was appreciative of that and I think it was quite noble of him to say that. But let me say something. Sometimes when we're pursuing success in this life, 
we kind of come to a place where it becomes addictive. I want to win. I want more. And in the process, we become disloyal to the people we love the most. I'm not saying we necessarily cheat on them, but sometimes we come to a place where we show that we're more affectionate toward that goal than the people we say we love the most. Are you hearing me this morning? All right. Um, just watch out for that. Some of you are so addicted to being successful that the impact on your family is like they've got an alcoholic parent. How many of you know that when you've got an alcoholic parent, as a child, you begin to question, does this person love me more than they love their addiction? As a wife or a husband, you begin to wonder, are they more desperate for their next fix than for time with me? Are you hearing me this morning? You can be addicted to multiple things. And it says, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. My question to you is, who have you deserted? We're talking about loyalty. How many of you know that in order to have a strong relationship with another human being, there has to be some degree of loyalty? Have you noticed that in order to be entrusted, if we want a big ministry and we want to do big things, there has to be some degree of loyalty. You have to be able to trust people. Amen? Amen. Ask yourself this morning, how loyal am I as a person? How many of you know that in this generation we don't have a culture of loyalty? We don't. People will have 10 different jobs in one month. There's no sense of loyalty nowadays as a value system, right? Let me go a little bit deeper into all of this. For many of you, you don't come to this church because you think this is the best preacher around. You come to this church because there's a loyalty that has built up, not so. There's a, you might have your favorite guy on TV, but there's a loyalty that this is where I belong. This is where I'm fed. Amen? Amen? Your kids don't eat supper at home every single day. Am I okay here? All right. They don't eat supper at home every single day because they think, Mom, Dad, you guys make us the best food. Right? If they're like my kids, often they're talking about, how, yeah, but grandpa makes it like this. And we say to them, but is it always healthy? All right? But grandpa makes it like this. Should I change over? I'm going to change over. I'm just hearing some feedback. Okay? But grandpa makes it like this. But they eat at home. Why? They eat at home because they know that that's where they are fed consistently and that it is good for them. Amen. All right? So just watch out, please, for that. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 to 9. It says here, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. What does it mean when it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you? Those are the leaders who brought you to Christ. Those are the people who discipled you. Those are the people who gave you foundations. Sometimes it's even the people who gave you the revelation that you now have. For some of you, when you started coming, if you're honest with yourself, you didn't know the word. If you're honest with yourself, some of you came maybe from cults or places where there was doctrinal error. And the Bible here is saying, remember, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Do you remember them? Is there that sense of loyalty? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
It doesn't mean imitate every single thing they do. It doesn't mean have the same hairstyle and dress in exactly the same way, right? I, sh I shared with you last time, not everyone should have a bald head, right? Because it depends on your head shape, etc., right? But it says imitate their faith. Imitate their what? Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Do you know what this is talking about? It's talking about loyalty to the word. Loyalty to the word that you were taught. Right? There's a type of disloyalty that happens when people embrace doctrinal error instead of remaining grounded with the truth that they were taught. So it says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. Please do not be carried away by all types of strange teaching. Amen. So what is loyalty? Loyalty is a strong disposition and attitude of allegiance. It's a strong disposition and attitude of allegiance where you know where you belong, where you say, these are my people. Do you remember what happened between Naomi and Ruth? Your people will be my people. Amen. Your God will be my God. There's, an, there's a sense of allegiance that's there. And nowadays, people don't have a sense of allegiance. They treat local churches like fast food restaurants. Hey, guys, let's go to Nando's. No, tomorrow, let's go to Steers. Amen. Now, let's go a little bit deeper into this. Okay. Let me ask you a question. When did you last communicate to your loved ones your allegiance? Just by telling them, I'm on your side. By defending them. You know, some of you will say, but I never spread rumors about you. But do you stop rumors about me? Can you see there's a difference? In your friendships, it's so important. When there's loyalty in friendships, one of the marks of a friendship is loyalty. And when there's loyalty in friendship, you don't just spread rumors about your friends, do you? You go the extra mile and when you hear people saying horrible things about them that you know are not true, when you hear people slandering them, what do you do? You try to correct it. There are certain people I know, they will speak out for me. I know Pastor Michael, for example. If, if anyone bad mouths me, anyone says anything negative, I know he'll stand up for me and I'll do the same for him. Amen? Okay, have you got friends like that where you know in whatever environment you're in, you know they'll back you because they were present? We're talking about loyalty, friends. We're talking about loyalty this morning. Defend them. Don't backbite or slander. You want to almost guard that person's reputation. So when you see someone maligning them, slandering them, you're like, uh-uh, guys, let me bring balance to this. Now, when someone is disloyal, they do the opposite. When someone is disloyal, you'll find that someone says something nice or positive. Let's say someone says, hey guys, you know what I've heard about Kwaile? Mm, Kwaile is really great. He's really good at such and such. Do you know what the disloyal person will do? They'll always try and then bring Kwaile down. Yeah, no guys, you know, I was the one who taught him that. He wasn't actually always like that, guys, you know. Yeah, it's just been the last few months. You guys are just seeing his good side, you know, but I've seen the other side. That's what the disloyal person does. And very often it's from a root of bitterness or offense towards that particular individual. And they think that they are being truthful. They think they're balancing everything out. But what they're actually doing is they're speaking from a place of envy very often. Amen? Amen. If you are doing that, make sure you stop and just repent of it. Right? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I really my brother's keeper? Are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? 
Yes, you are. Look what the scripture says in Genesis 4 verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Isn't God amazing? He tells us a lot about his character and his personality just by asking that question. We, we, we see a lot about the nature of God. He says, where is your brother? Now, did God know where Abel was? So why does God ask Cain? Watch this. Cain then says, I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? By implication, if God had answered him, God would have said, yes, you are. That's why I'm asking you. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. My question to you is, that friend of yours, who you say is your best friend, where are they? In the same way that God asked, where is Abel? Where is your friend? Where is your husband? Where is your wife? Where are they at? Not just physically, but spiritually. For those of us who are pastors, we have to know the state of the flock. So it's important for someone to be able to challenge me and say, where are your people at spiritually? How mature are they really? Where are they at in their understanding of girl-boy relationships? Where are they in their understanding of finances and how to manage their finances? Where are they? Where are they in the discipleship process? Where are they in their understanding of biblical Christian worldview? Where are they? Am I, am I my children's keeper? Of course. Am I my brother's keeper? Of course. Am I my husband's keeper? Of course. Amen? The loyal person is interested in the well-being of the other people. Those of you who are business owners, those of you who are employers, where are your staff at right now? Someone once said, are you treating your staff in the same way that you want them to treat your customers? Do you treat your staff in the same way that you want them to treat your customers? Because how many of you know that people pass on what's inside of them? You can often go to a service provider and you can see how they're being treated by their boss. You see, friends, when we talk about loyalty, we're not just talking about being loyal upward. You see, there's the loyalty that you show your pastors, but there's also the loyalty that your pastors show you. Amen? That's why even as pastors, we have to be careful what we say about the congregations that we lead. One of the things I do consistently when I'm speaking to people, I keep saying, it's amazing. Go people are amazing. Even when some of the people do bad things, people do bad things in church. Amen? Even when some people do bad things, can I just call it bad stuff? Okay? Even when people do negative things, I'll focus on the fact that, God, I'm so grateful. Even if it's just these few pillars that you've given us. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And that's how I speak about this congregation. Amen. Amen. If you're a CEO of an organization and all you ever do is complain about your people, you've become disloyal. If you're the kind of person who's always complaining about your spouse, you've become disloyal. I'm not saying that you should hide and cover their sin when you're in a counseling situation. Often when I'm counseling couples, I say, guys, you must tell me, tell it like it is. Don't keep trying to cover, 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 because I'm here to help you. Amen? Amen. I was doing a workshop recently uh, for a particular organization, and I found it interesting because I, I was talking about trust. And I was saying, you know, how many of you have experienced this type of mistrust, Right? where people don't follow through on their promises. And it was interesting because one lady just packed out laughing. She's like, yeah, my husband does that. Wow. And she was laughing. And on purpose, I didn't laugh along with her. And she saw that there was silence in the room. 
And she quickly said, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Sometimes even in our humor, we're disloyal to our family members. Amen? Are you following me this morning? Loyalty. We're talking about loyalty. And by the way, I'm not talking about blind loyalty. We're not talking about blind loyalty. I still remember even in this church, we sometimes will have groups of friends and they're so loyal to each other, but in the process, they're becoming disloyal. Why? Because as pastors, we need to know what's going on when certain things are happening. If someone isn't living right, we have, it has to be brought to our attention. The Bible says, do not be a partaker in evil deeds. Ex instead, expose them. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Amen? Do not be a partaker of darkness. Instead, expose it. But you see, sometimes what happens is when people haven't got strong parental bonds, strong parental bonds, they get into gangs. And there might not be evil gangs shooting people, but you have gangs of friends. And what we saw happening was that sometimes people become so loyal to those gangs of friends that they're always covering for each other to the point of almost lying to pastors. And then we continue working with people and we don't realize, wait a minute, this person has actually got a deep, deeply rooted issue. And sometimes it's because the friends don't bring those people to account. And it's a type of blind loyalty. I will never rat on you. Are you hearing me? If you're in the workplace today, there's a blind loyalty that happens where you're leading a team and then you cover for your people and you know that this person is stealing from the organization. You see, loyalty happens at levels. There's primarily your loyalty to God, his principles, his laws. Then there's the loyalty you have to the organization that you work for. So if that organization is doing dubious things and you're like, I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. You know, a bit like in Nazi Germany, we're just obeying orders. We're just following orders. No, that's now your portion to actually say what this company is not doing, what this company is doing is not right. I'm leaving and I'll trust God for the cash because I fear God more than I fear my boss. Amen. Right? So the primary loyalty is God and his principles. The second dimension is the organization. What's best for the company? Where is it going? The second level after that is your leaders. It's the leaders in your organization. The third level after that is the people who are working under you. Remember, when you're leading a team in an organization, you're representing your leaders. The representation is from up there and then goes downward. It's not downwards, up. Are you hearing me this morning? Leadership is always representational, not substitutional. What do I mean by that? Whenever you are given a responsibility, it's delegated to you, isn't it? All authority is delegated authority. So when someone is heading up sound, for example, and what's happening over there, Sipo is not representing himself. He's not substituting himself for us. He's representing the vision. He's representing his leaders. You know that there have been situations, I remember in a, in a church we were involved in one stage, people in a small group were complaining about the pastor. And they're saying, yeah, then this, yeah, no, I disagree with this. I, yeah, when they taught on this, I disagree. And then the cell leader joined in. The cell leader was now like, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, me too. I also, can you see what's happening? The cell group leader is now, substituting themselves as opposed to representing. If the small group leader agrees with what the people are saying, it's their duty to then quickly go to the pastors and say, this is what's coming up. It's putting me in an awkward situation. What's our stance on this? How should I deal with it? Amen. 
We're talking about loyalty today. And I'm emphasizing this because a lot of people kill and they ruin their destiny because they're disloyal. Do you know that throughout scripture, there's the language of loyalty. Throughout scripture, if you look at the scriptural narrative that God uses, it's always about you guys, you children of Israel, you were disloyal. You were adulterous. You did this and this to me. You did that and that to me. Then we go into the New Testament and who, who, where is your allegiance? Is it with Rome or is it with Jesus? Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. It was all a question of allegiance. It was all a question of loyalty. Are you following this morning? Okay. <clears throat> so we see something very powerful when we start unpacking this in scripture. Um, let me just, let me show you. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 1 to 2, Galatians 6 verse 1 to 2 says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Who's spiritual here? Just raise your hand. You see yourself as a spiritual person. Some of you are struggling because you don't want to be proud. Some of you think it's a trick question. It's not a trick question. All right. <laughs> All right, so it says here, brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, if you've got a friend who's living in sin, let me just use normal language, simple language. If anyone is caught in any trespass, if you've got a friend that's not living right and yet they say they're a Christian, if you've got a friend who's sleeping with their girlfriend but who they're not married to, if you've got a friend who's got a problem with lying, if you've got a friend who's got a problem with drunkenness, if you've got a friend who's struggling with an addiction right now, if you've got a friend who's flirtatious, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. If you've got a friend who's a con artist who swindles people, fill in the blank. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So don't ignore it. You see, sometimes people become disloyal because they're passive. So they sit on the fence concerning everything. Hey, I don't want to be involved in your stories. I'll just carry on. Hey, pastor, leave me out of this one. Do you know what's actually going on? What's actually going on is you're torn between loyalty to your pastoral leaders and loyalty to that particular friend, and you don't want to take sides. But remember, there's a higher level of loyalty. You're loyal to the word of God. You're loyal to righteousness. Amen. Amen. All right? Now watch this. goes on to say, but do it with gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Please say to the person next to you, indeed, I am my brother's keeper. Yeah. Say to someone else, I am my sister's keeper. Yeah. Amen. All right. So we're not talking about blind loyalty. How many of you know that loyalty helps you in business? People will do business with you because they're loyal to you. Amen. Your customers will keep coming to you, not because you're necessarily the best in your industry, but because there's a loyalty. And it's important for us not just to be loyal, but it's important for us to figure out how do you get people in a non-manipulative manner to end up being loyal to you. I don't know about you, but I want my clients to be loyal to me. I want them to come back to me next year and the following year, right? I want the business from them. So how do you establish that? How do you establish it? How do you make them more likely to be loyal to you? 
That's why they continue to choose you over your competitors. They're grateful because you consistently give them more than they're expecting. One of the ways you ignite loyalty in terms of customers is actually just giving plus one service, going the extra mile. How I many of you know, I'm in situations where because I've gone the extra mile for certain clients of mine, they go the extra mile for me. Amen? People will remember you. They will remember you because their experiences with you were plus one. They won't remember you if their experiences with you were just ordinary. Even in your friendships. Say to yourself, you know what? I'm making a decision that whenever I do what I do for people, I will make sure it's plus one service. Let me ask you a question. If I fetch you from the airport and I'm on time, is that plus one? It's not plus one, is it? Because you expected me to be on time. Someone once said to me, no, Paul, in South Africa, that is plus one. Okay. <laughs> South Africa, the norm of South Africa is not our standard. Amen. We've got a kingdom standard. If I'm there and I'm early and I'm waiting for you, and then you get into my vehicle and there's nice aircon because it's hot, right? And then I give you some Valpre sparkling water because I remember that you prefer sparkling to still. And then I give you some breath mints, not as a hint, but I'm just giving you some breath mints, right? And then from there we go to your house and I know that you've been overseas for the last two weeks, right? I'm giving Spongile some tips for when her husband comes back, right? Because uh, well, I know that you haven't done a shop yet and I drop you off at your house and I say, here's some low-fat 2% Douglasdale milk to have with your tea, because I know that's your favorite, and I know you haven't done a shop recently. Can you see that experience with me becomes plus one? And it helps you in terms of loyalty. It helps you in terms of loyalty. So those are some of the things you can do. We have to have loyalty if we want strong relationships with people. Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay. They know that you have their best interests at heart, so they trust you. They know that you give them the benefit of the doubt. With the same measure you judge, you will be judged. Keep surprising them with genuine care and plus one service. It's amazing what people will end up doing for you. There's certain clients of mine. You know, when, when Lanson was saying what he was saying, I'm just thinking to myself, I was there for them, for that organization, when they went through tough times in the last five years when they went through difficult times and so on, and I was there and we would pray very strong prayers because I'm good friends with the, the owner of the, that organization. For me, when I hear the type of testimony, things we can't even announce here, when I hear what's happening and what they're stepping into, when they now need leadership training, when they now need coaching, who are, who are they speaking to? There's a loyalty. It doesn't, they might see someone who's the new kid on the block, who's wonderful, who's also amazing, but there's always that allegiance that Paul was there for us and stood with us all these years. Now we're experiencing phenomenal breakthroughs. We'll call on Paul. Amen. Amen. Don't despise the day of small beginnings, even with this church. Some of you might look and say, okay, we're here, we're at Highfelt. Okay, it's all good, it's all good. See people after the Spirit. See people after the Spirit. In fact, that's the prayer that, um, that Kwaile prayed. That's why he's saying amen loudly. Because something shifted in my relationship with him when he prayed that prayer. He says, God, may you show me Pastor Paul after the Spirit. Everything changed in terms of that. And he knows the breakthroughs that have resulted because of that. He knows. Prayers we agreed, strong prayers, decrees that we made, and things started to happen within days. Are you hearing me this morning? 
Are you seeing your spouse after the spirit? You see, it's not just about saying, I see you after the spirit. I see your potential. It's actually about also saying, I will relate to you accordingly. Relate to your spouse, not based on their current reality, not based on where they currently are at. Relate to them based on their potential, what you see in them. And after a while, you'll see them becoming that. Are you hearing me? You'll see them becoming that. Speak to the treasure in your loved, one, loved ones. It helps you in terms of loyalty, I'm telling you. Okay? You know, sometimes when loyalty is broken, we experience the sting of betrayal. Sometimes when someone is disloyal toward us, we experience the sting of betrayal. And the sting of betrayal is something a lot of people struggle to overcome. So you see, I'm not just talking this morning about you being loyal. I'm also talking about how do you respond when someone has been disloyal toward you? Some of you have been divorced and you were hurt because there was infidelity and there was disloyalty. Okay? And you're in deep pain because of that. My question to you is, do you like who you are becoming? Because there are people who've been in deep pain because of betrayal and they become even greater people, wonderful people. Then there are others who become bitter because of the betrayal that they've experienced. How many of you know that bitterness defiles? And you know, sometimes when we talk about bitterness defiling, we apply it to just the individual. But I'm gonna show you the actual scripture just now because bitterness defiles everything. Do you know that there are times when someone has been cheated on by their husband and what ends up actually happening is that person ends up doing worse to the person because of the defilement that's there. Someone can grow up in an environment where they've got great morals, but they see their father cheating on their mother. And they take on their mom's hurt, and then they become promiscuous themselves. I'm going to show these men. I hate men. I'm going to show them. I can control them. I'll never let a man control me again. They make an inner vow based on offense, resentment, and bitterness, and they become defiled as a person. Are you hearing me this morning? If you've got some moral weakness in your life, ask yourself, where does it come from? Very often, I'm telling you now, it comes from a root of offense and a root of bitterness. Please, I've counseled so many people. I remember one particular person came to me, in, it was in a corporate setting, and they were saying, I need to get a divorce. I'm thinking of pulling out of my marriage. My husband has cheated on me multiple times and so on. And I was listening to this whole story. And at a certain point at the end of the process, this person then says to me, yeah, something else I should tell you. Um, I've also cheated on him. Post discovering what he had done. I'm like, okay, that's not just something in the small print, okay? This is quite major. Let's unpack it. And I said, have you confessed it to him? He says, no, I won't. Why haven't you confessed it? No, because he's told me that if ever I do that, he'll kill me. Are you getting something this morning? Okay. Sometimes we've experienced the sting of betrayal. So check your relationships. Do you know how we feel betrayed often? It's because our expectation is way up here. But the expectation of the other person is way down there. Have you ever had those friendships where you're expecting more? The person hasn't promised more. But somehow it's an implicit thing. And you're expecting more from that person. Please be very careful. Because when you see that there's no mutuality, what we spoke about last week, talk about it. And actually talk about the rules of engagement and say, you know what? You're actually just a friend of mine and it's, it's just a friendship. There's nothing more. 
I've had a situation where I, I got a phone call a number of years ago, and someone phoned me, and it was a female, it was a female, first of all, okay, this is where you see the awkwardness of it. It was a female who had been in one of my training sessions, and she phoned me, and I had to first figure out who's this person, what, what's the story, and she's like, are we fighting? And I'm like, so I was trying to understand the concept now. Fighting about, who, who am I speaking to? Right? Are we fighting? And basically what came out, it was someone who I'd, I had, hadn't had much interact with, interaction at all with this person. But basically, they were making a comment saying they haven't heard from me in a long time. So they were thinking maybe there's a fight or something or there was something wrong. Are you hearing me? Right? Now here's the thing. Please be very, very careful. People will place expectations upon you that they're not supposed to place. Amen? The only person who can come to me and say, hey, um, my love, so, you know, I didn't hear from you all day. You haven't been in touch with me. Is everything okay? It's my wife. Not just anyone coming like, are we fighting? <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> You know, sometimes, and I see this between women, very often they've got a best friend, you know, and there's this whole thing of besties. You be very careful about that. Friendships in that way should be inclusive. You can't have these friendships where it's now like, you must be so loyal to me, I'm your best friend and it's a pact we have. Don't be best friends with anyone else. No, they can be good friends with whoever they want. That's why those of us with healthy friendships, you might have three or four very close friends. You don't have to have one, this is my bestie. And then the moment that person starts spending more time with someone else, you're like, oh, and you feel betrayed. Was there a covenant? Was there a vow you made where you stood up one day? I don't know, maybe in your friendships you do these kinds of things. Where you stood one day and you say, I do. For better or for worse, we are friends, yes. No other besties, no other besties. Amen? No, you can't do that. It becomes manipulation. Okay? So you end up having unhealthy or illegitimate loyalty with unwritten rules. Just be careful of this. So what are some of the causes of disloyalty? Some of the causes of disloyalty. Number one, the independent spirit. The what? The independent spirit. This is a dangerous one, ladies and gentlemen. This person has a contrary spirit. So in a church setting, they're always moving to the left when you want to move to the right. When you say as a church we're moving in this direction, they've always got a different idea, a different opinion. Watch out for those people. And you know what? Those people don't necessarily leave. They actually gain power. They feel powerful because they're different. They feel powerful in meetings when they always have a different opinion. Okay? And it's important to be able to discern that. Okay, they never plug into the areas that you've mentioned when you're unpacking the vision. So when we're unpacking the vision, we say, guys, we're going to focus on this. We're going to focus on this. We're going to focus on that. They always have something else. And if you're like that, if you're wired like that, just watch out for it and ask yourself, why is it like I'm like that? Why is it that I'm never fully plugged in building in the specific areas we said we are going in this direction? Are you following this morning? Okay you find they've always got something else that they want to do and they're never fully plugged in and they're not team players, okay? 
what tends to happen sometimes is when it comes to church, a lot of people, let me just say this, a lot of people go to a church because of convenience and not because of conviction. So they're not convicted about the vision. They're going just because of convenience. They're going just because, ah, it's just, it's a, I found a church finally that's just down the road from where I live. So guess what will happen? When we buy that new building, they won't come with us. So there isn't that type of loyalty based on conviction. It's just convenience. Are you following? And that's why it's important for you to assess yourself and to say, am I loyal to what's going on here and where God is taking me? Or is it just a matter of convenience? There's some people who get married because of convenience. If you're married to your spouse just because it's convenient, when it becomes inconvenient, you'll move on. Are you hearing me? When it becomes inconvenient, you're like, ah, no, uh, we, we've split up. Why did you split up? Uh, incompatibility. They were, you were just, you were no, they were no longer compatible with your new desires. There was no conviction that this is the wife of my youth who I'm dedicated to and I'm committed to heart and soul, everything. No conviction. Just convenience. You see, the independence of some of these people is cloaked in spirituality. So you say, we're moving as a church in this direction. Then they're like, Pastor, I was just praying about all of this and this is what God showed me and it's in the opposite direction. Be careful of this because often it's rooted in a spirit of pride. And then they become manipulative that way just because they said, I've prayed about it, I've sought the Lord's face. That you now as a pastor have to say, I don't want to stand in the way of God. <laughs> Amen? Let me say something. When a vision has been cast, when you're now praying and seeking God, seek God concerning the details of the vision and the implementation of the vision. But if your pattern in your life is always, yeah, that's the vision, let's never talk about it. Let's talk about this that God has shown me. Then start your own church with that vision. Amen. No, seriously, start your own church with that vision. Simple as that. We're into church planting, seriously. We'll encourage you, go and start with that vision. I'm not dissing anyone. But what happens is if you carry on with an independent spirit in a local church, there ends up being division. What is division? Division. Where some people are moving this way, others are moving that way. Don't come to ignite out of convenience. Ah, this Friday is a nice Friday for me. I'm relaxed. The kids don't have much homework. Hey, I'm going through stuff in my life. I need prayer. Let me go. No, come out of conviction. Out of a conviction that says, you know what, it's important for me to be prayed up and pushing in the spirit. Even when times are going well and I don't have many prayer requests for myself personally. But I will push in the spirit and will pray for those open doors. This Friday the theme is open doors. We'll pray for open doors for my brothers and sisters. Open doors in ministry. Open doors in the marketplace. Open doors in the corporate world. We will stand together and we'll do it. You see, when you're a person of conviction, people don't have to keep pushing you to do things. People don't have to remind you. Hey, you missed out. You didn't come to meet ministerial equipping and activation time. You missed out. You didn't learn about what we learned about in terms of teams and so on. So catch up. No, you'll be coming and you'll be saying, where is it? I missed out. Out of conviction. Amen. And we've got it on a web page on the, on the website. It's one of the ministries there. Meet. And we've got the message there. You're proactive. Okay. Sometimes people become disloyal because of an erratic personality. 
an erratic personality that makes decisions based on impulse. You see, if you are angry with your spouse and you're offended, you can easily do something that is disloyal towards them at that very moment because your personality, the way you are wired, is that you make decisions based on impulse. And you know what? I'm not just talking about when people cheat on their spouses. I'm talking about you're upset with your husband because he said such and such a thing to you yesterday. So by impulse, you're like, I'm going to just spend today. I know he doesn't like me spending, but I'm going to just spend as much money as possible and I'll deal with him afterwards. That's what happens. Trace the times where you've done something that goes against a standard you've agreed upon. Because that's a sign of disloyalty. Where you agree on a particular standard and you say, this is how we're going to do what we're going to do. Then you do the opposite. Very often, it's rooted, isn't it, in offense. If he can speak like that to me and treat me like that, I will do my own thing. And then you regret it afterwards. Okay? So watch out, those of you with an erratic personality. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. <laughs> Resentment, offense, and bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. People don't understand the grace of God nowadays. People think the grace of God is this automatic thing we all experience. How many of you know that the grace of God has to be received? How many of you know that you can fall short of the grace of God? The grace of God is available, but there's, certain, there's a certain posture before God that makes you receive his grace. And it says, yes, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile not just you, but defile many. When we're talking about bitterness, it's a root. And that's why you'll find that with loyalty, there are actually stages of disloyalty. People don't just become disloyal just like that. There are stages of disloyalty. And one of those stages is offense and bitterness. My friends, this morning, I want to make it loud and clear. If you're carrying any offense, if you're carrying any bitterness towards your pastors, towards your spouse, towards your employers at work, get rid of it as quick as possible. Because it won't just defile you, it will defile many people. And one day you'll sit back and you'll be surprised. Ha! I don't recognize myself. How could I have done that? How could I have done that me? And you'll feel embarrassed. Amen? Matthew chapter 24 verse 10 says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith. That's disloyalty, right? They will turn away from the faith. You know people who've turned away from the faith. People who used to say, I love Jesus. Now they're saying, I hate Jesus. Right? Many will turn away from the faith and will do what? Will betray and hate each other. Can you see how these things work together? Disloyalty, betrayal, and hatred. Another reason why people become disloyal is envy. Envy. How many of you that envy causes you to malign someone else's reputation? When you are envious towards someone, you want to bring them down. You end up highlighting, and three major things, you end up highlighting weaknesses of character in them, weaknesses of personality, and weaknesses of competence. So you will nail their character, you'll nail their personality, and you'll nail their abilities. So, if you're envious toward, who can I use as an example? Let me use 
let me use desire. If you are envious towards desire's nice singing voice, what will you do? You, you'll find you'll be the kind of, yeah, but the other day there was a bit of a discord there. Yeah, he's not as perfect as you guys think. <laughs> you will nail his ability, right? Or you'll think it in your mind. Or you will nail his character. You'll find some secret sin or some weakness that he has and you say, yeah, but you guys also, do you know this about desire? Let me tell you something I know. Actually, you'll do that or you'll nail his personality. Yeah, desire is very good at singing and so on, but when you try and talk to him and connect with him, yeah, he's quite a quiet guy, you know. He's not, you know, I want guys who talk more and so on. You'll say something about his personality. Are you hearing me? That's what the spirit of envy does. If you're envious towards me, you know, it can happen in a church setting, hey? You can have a pastor and people can be envious for whatever reason. You will nail me for my ability, my competence. Ah, Pastor Paul, yeah, he speaks well, but ah, he's a bit diso disorganized at times. Yeah, I know he needs to plan better. <laughs> the moment that critical spirit comes into you, you might, it might be the truth, but ask yourself, why do you meditate on it? So you will nail me in terms of my competence. You will nail me in terms of my personality. Ah, sometimes he talks too much, you know, he kind of takes over the conversation. He thinks he's funnier than he actually is. You know what I mean? I was just pretending to laugh at his jokes and so on. He's too sunshine yellow for me. You'll nail my personality or you might nail my character. You might find some character flaw somewhere, you know, and you nail it. Let's bring it closer to home with your spouse. How many of you know that many people are envious of their spouses? Hey guys, how come you're always saying these nice things about my husband? What about me also? You hear it in conversations where wives no longer praise their husbands in public because they're like, he takes all the credit for everything. People think he's just wonderful and so on and they're always talking about him and I feel like I'm in his shadow and you begin to become envious of your spouse. Let me just say something up front. Whenever someone says something good about my wife, because we are one flesh, they're saying something good about me. Amen. Whenever someone thinks, oh, Pastor Trace is amazing. They don't have to say anything about me. Oh, Pastor Trace's sermons. Oh, I love. Oh, yeah, because it's structured. You know, Pastor Paul, you speak round and round. Pastor Trace, oh, for me, that's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Don't be envious of your spouse. You avoid talking, this is when, when someone is envious, you avoid talking directly about grievances, so you end up gossiping. This is, this is another reason why people become disloyal. They struggle with having a difficult, direct conversation. If you're that kind of person, guess what you end up doing? You'll always be gossiping. And people have to see beneath the smiles. We've seen it happening, guys. Real, I'm talking real-life situations in church settings where people come, Pastor, no, we love you, Pastor. We really want to support the vision. Pastor, thank you so, so much. Like this. And then behind the scene, how come that person was always in that group whenever negative things were being spoken about the church? How come the common denominator is that person? Okay? Be someone who talks straight. 
Say what you mean and mean what you say. If you've got an issue with your friend, tell your friend. If you've got an issue with your father, tell your father directly. Don't go via, 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 via. Amen? You struggle with managing upward, so you become a substitutional leader instead of a representational leader. And I want to close by giving you two examples of types of disloyalty. Two major examples. Are you ready? The first is the Absalomic spirit. Do you remember Absalom? Do you remember what he did? Okay? And this is where you become disloyal to your leaders. And you can apply this in church. You can apply this in the workplace. All right? The Absalomic spirit. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 5. In the course of time, Absalom, who was David's son, provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men. Very often when people are disloyal, they don't do it by themselves. Very often when people are disloyal, they don't do it by themselves. They do it in a group. They, they rally around support, right? And it says he gathered chariots and horses, that's power, and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early, and he would stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to them. What town are you from? He would answer. Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. So the Absalomic spirit positions itself as a servant. Hey guys, I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you. But in the process of serving they are actually ruining the reputation of the person they're supposed to be representing. Amen? So can you see that sometimes what happens with the Absalomic spirit, it's very deceitful. It looks good on the outside, but what it's actually doing is it's saying, come to me, I am better than that person over there. But it doesn't do so directly. It doesn't do so directly. Okay? And then it goes on to say, it says, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. In other words, I'm one of you guys. I understand you. I get you. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your claims are valid and proper. Flattery, right? Hey, I hear you. Hey, no, Debbie, what you're saying, sure. This is, this is very valid. It shouldn't be minimized. So important, Debs. So, so important. Okay? But there's no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land... Be very careful if your heart now has that. If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me and I would see that they receive justice. You see, sometimes people overestimate their ability. Huh? They overestimate their ability. If I was the senior pastor, this is how I would do it. And sometimes it's people who've got the grace to be a senior pastor. But maybe they're supposed to be sent out and then pastor. But then in this environment, there might be this thing that rises up and say, I would do things completely different and things will be so much better. Well, rather take your skill and your wisdom and share it and say, let's do this. And let someone take the credit for it or whatever you're afraid of than having that heart that is Absalomic that ends up saying, if I was running that department, that cell group, look what Ishe is doing. If I was the one doing it, guys, It'll be so much better. Watch out for that because God demotes those types of people. He doesn't promote them. 
I don't know about you, I want to be promoted by God. Okay? And then, then it goes on to say, it says everyone would receive justice. Verse 5, also whenever, when anyone, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. In other words, it's almost like he's feigning humility. You coming and you want to bow down before him. He's like, no, come, let me kiss you. Huh? It's people who pretend to have a servant heart, but they don't actually. Verse 6, Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. See, often disloyal people are pretenders. They'll pretend. They end up exaggerating their praise and their appreciation of you. Meanwhile, the heart is not pure. Amen. The second type of disloyalty that I want to show you is adultery. When you're disloyal to your spouse. And remember, it happens on a continuum. It happens on what? On a continuum. So you'll find someone, usually the person who becomes adulterous, often they're already that person who will crack negative jokes about their spouse. Right? Because they don't mind that disloyalty, that level of disloyalty. Let's go, let's go and see what the scriptures say about this person. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. Another thing you do, this is God speaking, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. I've seen that often when people are disloyal to their spouse, they compensate by trying to do amazing things in a church setting. Just watch out for that. If you're finding that you're suddenly wanting to be more committed, you're suddenly giving more, ask yourself, where is it coming from? Is it coming from a good place where God is leading you to do that? Or are you compensating for your flaws in another aspect of your life? Amen? It says here, you weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. Now watch this. So be on your guard. Some of you might say, but I'll never do that, Paul. I'll never do that. I'm saying to you, be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Ladies, this is also for you. Because a lot of ladies today are cheating on their husbands. It's not just a one-way thing. Amen. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. I'm going to close today by showing you the different types of adultery that happens because we're in, a, we're in an age right now where there's a strong spirit that causes this type of thing. And please, if you've messed up in this area before, there's forgiveness, there's healing. But now man up or woman up and say, you know what, as part of my restitution process, girl, I'm going to love you more than I would have ever done. 
before. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to show you the different types of adultery and when we close and we pray in terms of this disloyalty thing. Number one, it's the once-off thing that happens because of pure lust. That's the first type. It's when someone often is offended by their spouse and you see them running off. I remember years ago counseling a particular guy because I'd heard the news that this guy had been cheating on his wife. I challenged him and then he lied about it. Often where there's adultery, there lies. The two work hand in hand, right? I challenged him and he says, no, 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 no. Then afterwards he admitted, right? How many of you know that when the terror of the Lord comes upon you, everything comes out? And for some people, they have to experience the terror of the Lord because they, they say surface half-truths. They don't go to the core. Do you know what I mean by the terror of the Lord? Happened to one pastor where he had said, yeah, no, I've cheated on my wife, this and this and this. Then when he was under the covering of certain prophets when they were ministering to him, the terror of the Lord hit him and everything came out. The terror of the Lord is where you feel like you're literally on your way to hell. So this one guy, I then challenged him and I said, listen, this is what I've heard. In the end, he admitted to it that he had cheated on his wife. And then he says, but it was just a once off. And he says, we hadn't been sexually intimate with each other for about four months. And I thought to myself, if she's trying to control the relationship this way and not me meeting my needs, I'll go and have, have them met elsewhere. Bitterness defiles. Be very careful. Those of you who are in a place of bitterness, whether it's in your friendships, whether it's with your parents, even in the workplace, do you know that often people will steal from their company because they're offended that the company didn't give them a salary increase. So they're now saying, if they're not going to give me an increase, I'll find an increase my way. And they start stealing. And fraud happens. That's one of the reasons pastors fall today. Ah, the congregation, they don't tithe, they don't give. Why should I be praying for them? I'm going to stop praying. Then in the end, they backslide. So number one, it's the once-off. Then the person realizes, oh, I was offended, I made a mistake. Then they go back to their wife. Sometimes the wife accepts them, sometimes she doesn't. I got this guy to confess to his wife. Fortunately, things were renewed in their marriage. But she was on her way to the divorce lawyers at a certain point. Years ago, pastoring a particular church. Right? Number two, there's the emotional affair. This is when someone spends inordinate, inordinate amount of time with someone of the opposite sex. So this is where you hear about the workplace affairs. This is where you hear that so-and-so went off with his secretary. Was he attracted to the secretary at the start? No. But they began to share intimate things. This is where certain needs are not being met at home. And now the person comes through and now these needs are being met at work. Be very careful if you've got marriage problems. Don't talk to someone of the opposite sex about the marriage problems. Because maybe they've also got marriage problems. Then you minister to each other's needs. Amen. We see it happening. There was someone who basically said, I've got so many stories. There was someone who, was, who said to a particular sister, Sister, I've got a spirit of lust. I'm struggling with the spirit of lust. And the sister said, me too. The rest is history. Okay. Don't have deep conversations about those kinds of things with someone of the opposite sex. So it's people who are spending an inordinate amount of time. And sometimes with these emotional affairs, sometimes there's alcohol involved. So you hear someone, you're like, what did you see in that woman? She's not even your type. We know the type you like. But under the influence of alcohol, suddenly that person who you weren't attracted to becomes attractive. After the fifth one. After the fifth. Whatever you're drinking. Amen? So the first type is what? The once-off pure lust. 
The second type is the emotional affair. And often in those cases, these, this woman thinks she's in love with this person, in love and so on. No, you're not in love with that person. You don't love the person. You just need them to meet your needs. It's a fine line between loving someone and needing them. It's what we call addictive relationships. Amen? And very often the guy comes round and he goes back to his family anyway. And if you're parked off there and you're like, oh, what did I do? Oh, I was so stupid. Right? The third type is the person who goes for the ideal woman or the ideal man. So you hear those stories where someone says, yeah, no, I left my wife and I got hooked up to that, that my old high school girlfriend, for example. And very often in those cases, you would have found that it began as a fantasy where for years and years, the person is like, I think I married the wrong person. I think I married the wrong person. I think I married the wrong person. I think I should have married that other person. That's what they're meditating on. While you are meditating on, I'm the apple of his eye. Yes, Lord, Shandai, Shandai, driving my Hyundai. The person is like, I think I married the wrong person. I think I married the wrong person. You are the wrong person. You are the wrong person. She is the right person. She is the right person. Where your words go, your actions soon follow. Amen. The tongue is a rudder. Be very careful of those types of thoughts. And sometimes, this is where you hear, person X left his spouse, went for this other person, okay? But often there's an overlap. On the outside, it seems all like, I know he divorced his wife, things were not going well, and then shortly after, yeah, it was a bit quick, he's now with this person, but very often there was an overlap. And if the overlap wasn't physical, it certainly was in the head already. That's why they had the confidence of leaving this person and going to the next person. Watch out for that. Then I want to mention to you a final type. There are many other types in between, but I want to mention to you a final type. This is a type of situation where someone is promoted spiritually in the church. This is the type where someone has never had issues with this type of thing with fornication, with adultery. But then they're promoted in their local church and they're exposed to higher level demons. Right? So I remember one particular case of a guy. He had suddenly become an elder in the church. He was now suddenly starting to preach. He had never had issues. And all of a sudden in his mind, he, someone who he wasn't even attracted to, all of a sudden he thought like, no, this is someone I need to get hooked up to now. And then he cheated on his wife. And after some months, realized, what was I doing? What was I doing? Years ago. Years ago. And when I spoke to them as a couple about it, one of the things his wife said was, you know what? God was really starting to use my husband powerfully. You see, be very careful when you judge pastors that fall into sin. Because you're not exposed to the same demons that are assigned against them. And maybe when you then vie for that spiritual promotion you also want to have, please, maybe you might fall. Better men than us have fallen. You might then also fall because you don't have the spiritual stature to contain the warfare that is assigned against you. Are you hearing me this morning? So let's cover our marriages. Let's guard our marriages. Let's love our spouses. Those of you who are single and want to get married, there's a disloyalty that you can have towards your future spouse. If you're messing around now with pornography, uh, sleeping around, going from girl to girl or guy to guy and so on, you're being disloyal to your future spouse. So don't think this message is just for married people. Amen? 
May God make us a loyal people. 